Thank you for that, dear brother. Wow. What a preparation for this part of the worship service. Good morning. I'm so glad that you're all here. We're going to be in Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19 this morning in talking about the topic of thanksgiving. This is what it says. On the way to Jerusalem, he, that's Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met there by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except for this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God. Thank you for coming. You can be seated. As you're being seated, would you please bow with me as we ask God for his help. Father, I pray that you would please help us. Lord, we know that we are not worthy of any help from you. We don't come in any merit of our own. As we just sang a moment ago, we don't bring anything in our hands to you, Lord. We come as sinners, Lord, who've been saved and Others, Lord, who still maybe need to be saved who are hearing this prayer now. But, Lord, we know we come with nothing of our own. So, Father, I pray that you please be gracious. Please give to me the ability to preach the truth rightly, Lord, not to add anything to it or take anything away from it, Lord. Help me to rightly represent your truth, Lord, for your people. And, Lord, for all of us, give us help to hear rightly, Lord. As Jesus said, give us ears to hear and Lord to understand and then grace to love and live this truth and I pray it in Jesus name amen well this is now the fourth and final sermon in the series on prayer since we're in January starting out every year with the focus on prayer I've titled this whole series cast c-a-s-t praying cast confession adoration, supplication, and then today, T for thanksgiving. Four elements that are really needed in prayer. Do we always put all four of those elements in every single prayer we pray? No, not always. But they should be elements in our prayers. So we've seen how to do each one of these, I believe, rightly, biblically. And for this last one, thanksgiving, really there are many ways you could come at this topic of thanksgiving. So many angles I could have come at this from that I was thinking, should I address it from this angle? Should I address it from this angle? Because, boy, this is just a broad, large, important topic. Well, as far as thinking about which angle to come at this, you know, honestly, just a quick search online of this topic of thanksgiving or gratitude, you'll find dozens of articles, and you'll find dozens, even YouTube videos, 
discussing the many positive aspects of being thankful. Um, just looking at this topic online and many of these articles, I, I found that physically, gratitude, being a, a grateful person who is thankful, lowers your blood pressure, reduces your stress, even improves your relationships. Just being a thankful person. So I could have chosen to come at this sermon from the angle of the many benefits being thankful brings into your life. In one of those articles, I read that from the site called Psychology Today. Children, if you're wondering what psychology is, it's the study of the mind like, and as the mind affects our actions. That's what the study of psychology means. But I, I read from that article that um, if you were sort of at a loss of what to give thankful for, that Psychology Today provided this whole list of things that you could be thankful for. And here's just a few things that they said you can be thankful for. Having air to breathe, the feeling of the sun, the smell of flowers or fresh cut grass or trees, the people we have in our lives, that our parents gave us this life to be alive, for a beautiful sunrise, for the beach, for each new day, for opportunities. That today is probably not the worst day for a hot cup of coffee or hot cup of tea, they said, for hard times because they will help us appreciate the good times, for failure because it makes us stronger, to have a place to sleep at night, for time to experience life, that I will get to live today and hopefully tomorrow too, they said, for health, even though it may not be perfect, and then lastly, they said, for family. So, I also could have come at this sermon from that angle of just spending the time in this message of reminding you of all the things that we could be thankful for, and that could spur thankfulness in your heart. I could have come at the sermon from that way, because after all, that same article ends by saying this, taking a few moments each day to practice thankfulness can be a cool and fun way to boost thankfulness. So I could have also come at it from that angle, stressing how cool it is to be thankful and how fun it is to be thankful. I could have come at the sermon from, from that aspect. But I thought instead, I thought instead that probably the best way to come at a sermon on being thankful in your prayer life would be to come at it from the biblical angle. I thought, that's probably the best angle. Because the truth is, your pastor was not perusing these articles looking on how to build his sermon. I was doing recon on what does the world say about thankfulness? What are they saying? These many articles and videos are pointing out something that God has built into being a thankful person. Yes, being thankful does have those benefits that were mentioned earlier for your health, for your mind. It's good for you mentally. It's good for you physically. But you're not just body and mind, are you? You're not just a physical and a mental being, are you? You 
are also spirit. You have a soul that will never die. There's a third part of you that they totally left out. They didn't mention it at all. You have a soul that will never die, and that soul is actually the most important part of who you are. Did you know that? How can I say that? Why do I believe that? Well, listen to what Jesus said. I get that from the Bible, that belief of mine, that the soul is the most important part of who you are. Because Jesus said this, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his what? Say it. Soul. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And you know that if someone gained the whole world, you know he would be glad about that, wouldn't he? You know he would even maybe say, boy, I'm thankful I got the whole world. But Jesus says, what good would it be if you lost your soul So according to Jesus, Jesus says just here that the soul actually has more value than just the physical. So to neglect that part of who we are would be foolish. Just like it's foolish to have article after article and video after video all about being thankful, but never telling you who to actually be thankful to. Article after article and video after video all about being thankful, but never telling you who to thank. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Yes, it's interesting. I used to work at UPS long ago, back in 2007 when I was in seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky. Why did I choose to work at seminary? Well, because they had this wonderful thing called tuition reimbursement. And we were... No, actually, I've told you before how poor we were. We were po. We couldn't even afford the other OR. Remember me telling you that? That's how po we were. Actually, our apartment that we were in was so small that our welcome mat said, well, we didn't actually have a welcome mat. That's not true. (laughs) So I was working at UPS because they had tuition reimbursement. And they also had full health benefits for part-time work. So tuition reimbursement, even though I was working part-time, full-time benefits for working part-time. Then I quickly found out why they have to sweeten the pot so much. Because working at UPS being a preloader, pre means before, we were the guys that came in and loaded all those big brown trucks before the drivers went out in the morning. So we had to be there at, I want to say, 3 or 3.30 in the morning, loading all those trucks. And let me tell you, it was really hard. I touched probably about a thousand boxes a night. And it was just very fast and very physical and very fast paced. Well, we did get 15 minutes of break. We worked for two hours, we'd get 15 minutes of break, and everybody on your line kind of worked on your little area, had to come to this little common area. And we got to eat and drink a little bit. And then the managers always came over at the end and talked to us about three or four minutes about safety and who did good and you know what we can improve and all this stuff. Well, before the managers would come over, I made a friend during that time, a taller gentleman. We both had children, so we had that in common, and you know, we, we get to talking about why we're here and things like that. Well, he found out I'm a seminary student. So, of course, I start talking about the Lord 
I find out that he's not a God follower. In fact, he's not even sure there is a God. He's what you call an agnostic. What I have found is most people that take that position of being an agnostic children, what does that mean? It means they acknowledge that there's some sort of higher power, God, but they don't know what it is. What I've found is they're usually pretty proud that they're agnostic because they think that's actually a position. It's like you've got Christian, Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, Catholic, agnostic. It's not actually a position. It's a non-position. They're basically just saying, I don't know. It'd be like somebody who's into sports or saying he's into sports, hanging out with all the sports people. I like hockey. I like football. I like baseball. I don't like, I don't, I don't even like sports. I'm a non-sports. And it's a non-position. And so we were talking one day, and he told me, I sort of set him up. I said, what are you doing for Thanksgiving? And he said, oh, we always get together and we hang out and stuff like that and we eat. I said, who do you give thanks to on Thanksgiving? And he said, well, we we don't really give thanks to anybody. We're just thankful. I said, well, don't you see that, that, that that's a problem? You're not giving thanks to anyone. I forget how the conversation went after that. Like I told you, that was back in 2007. So yes, we have much to be thankful for. Even non-Christians acknowledge that. Even non-Christians say, being thankful is good for you. But what's the source? Who are you giving thanks to? That's what really matters. It's the source of those things that really matters. Like the leper in the story that I read, the portion, the narrative that I read earlier, he came back, he gave thanks to the source of his healing. And the nine others, I'm sure they were thankful, but they didn't give thanks. Because they didn't give it. You can't say, you know, I'm going to give a gift. Okay, well, well to who? I'm just going to give it. I'm just going to throw it out there. Well, you didn't give it to anyone. You just threw it away. If you don't give it to someone, then you're not actually giving it, are you? Listen to this. Who we give thanks to is more important than what we give thanks for. I'm going to say that again. Who we give thanks to is more important than what we give thanks for, isn't it? People all over the world are thankful, aren't they? People all over the world are thankful. After all, the Bible says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, right? So, he was speaking, Jesus was speaking to an agrarian culture. Children, what does that mean? It's a culture that's into agriculture, growing crops and such. And so this is very clear to them. They understand this. Rain falls. We've got a righteous farmer. We've got an unrighteous farmer. Rain falls on both their crops. Both their crops grow. 
And that, the point of him saying that was basically to say, God's got this common, general grace that he pours out on all the world, right? But one of those farmers knows the real source of those blessings when he's actually eating from the produce that grew. He knows God did this. And children, we're going to give thanks to God before we eat because God's the one that caused the rain to fall. Where the other farmer, no doubt, he sees all those crops coming up and he's so happy for it. He might even say, boy, I'm thankful. But to who? Not to God. He's just glad that it's there. But he's not truly thankful because he's giving thanks to no one. So I'm going to say this. And biblically is why I believe that this is true. Listen to this. Real, informed, heartfelt gratitude. Real, informed, heartfelt gratitude is really something we begin to truly have and truly understand at the very beginning of our Christian life. I only believe that you really have genuine, true, real, informed gratitude at the beginning of your Christian life. Why do I say that? Well, it's at that point that we've been saved. Saved out of darkness, death, sin, damnation, judgment, wrath, eternal punishment. And so we can't help but give thanks. Truly giving thanks to the one who did that for us, knowing that we couldn't have done that ourselves, knowing that that was our future, that was our destination, apart from someone intervening, apart from God. So we can't help but give thanks. Like someone with a terminal disease who's received the cure, but but who did he receive the cure from? In the case of salvation, he receives the cure from the one he's greatly offended and the one that he was previously an enemy of. That person swoops in and saves him. It's like someone snatched out of a fire from which he's burning to death in and he's rescued by the very one he'd formerly trampled on with his actions and his words and his deeds. That one is the one who comes in and saves him. So it's not like we're just a neutral party in the salvation business and God's just walking around saying, hmm, yeah, that one looks good. I think I'll, I think I'll save that one. And, and that one, that one looks good. Yes. No. We're all enemies of God through our wicked works and he saves us. And he does what's necessary for us to be saved and then not only does that, but foreordains before the foundation of the world those are, who are his and then executes it and it's effective and true and real and powerful. We're saved, we're rescued, we're set free. Not only that, adopted 
Ugh. You mean you want, you mean you're adopting me as your child? You mean like I'm a child of the God of the entire universe and that's what you want? You want me to be a child like Jesus is like a child and, and I'm a child too? Yes. Co-heirs with Christ, the Bible says. Now, we're not on the equal plane with Jesus Christ by any means. However, the benefits are very similar. We're saved, we're rescued, we're set free, we're adopted. And so all we can do is say, thank you, Father, thank you, thank you, because guess what? We don't deserve it. It's once you really start to get a grasp on these things, you see the biblical angle that we're to take when it comes to the very beginning of being thankful is that we've been saved from the punishment of our sins. Listen to Romans 5.8. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians 2.8. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it's the gift of God. 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we've been healed. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Acts 2.23, listen to what Peter said. Repent. Of what? Your sins. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, we give thanks to God initially when we come to faith. We give thanks to God because we've been saved from our Sins. That's why I said this gratitude, real gratitude, genuine gratitude, it really informed gratitude begins to be understood by us when we're saved. Because we realize we should not be here. We should not be in this position. In this position. I was in the darkness. I was in death. I was caged up in my sins. He who sins is a slave of sin, Jesus said. I was a slave bound up. And he rescued me. And he didn't have to. I was actually his enemy. And so gratitude pours out of that because we see, oh, are you kidding me right now? I'm forgiven, set free, given eternal life, and made a child of God? Wow. And that's where it starts. That's the foundation of all real, true gratitude as we understand who this God is and what he's done for us. And it's quite momentous what he did for us. The magnitude of the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, having the wrath of God poured out upon him, who knew no sin, is huge. And I feel like a child playing with these things sometimes because these words that I'm speaking are so much more important than even I can understand. These truths that I'm placing out in front of you are so vast. I can't even begin to understand them. And I feel 
inadequate to even speak of them sometimes just because they're so huge and they're so wonderful. We give thanks to God because we're saved. We give thanks to God for why he did it. See, the truth is at the point, it's the point at which we're saved that we begin to understand that we didn't deserve this grace, we didn't deserve this kindness, and we didn't deserve this mercy, but he gave it to us anyway. And why did he do it? Well, he did it because he's gracious, because he's kind, and because he's merciful. See, it's about the source. I'm not just grateful for mercy. I'm not just grateful for kindness. I'm grateful because he's merciful and he's kind. I'm grateful to a person. I'm grateful to God. I give thanks to God. I recognize that he is who he says he is in the word of God. And that's what I'm thankful for. This wonderful God that's most clearly seen in his son, Jesus Christ. See, it's all about the source. The source is God. Then, then that initial reason for thanksgiving, salvation, turns into daily reasons for thanksgiving. God blesses us. God daily feeds us. God gives us favor with God and man, like he did Jesus Christ when it says he grew in favor with God and man. It's God who answers our prayers. It's God who protects us. God who disciplines us, too, and for our good. And these are all reasons to thank him. The source, listen, the source of who you're thankful to makes all the difference. It's not just about being thankful, period, the end, there, you did it, good, good for you, go home now. Who are you giving thanks to? Muslims give thanks. Hindus give thanks. Catholics give thanks. There are some safe Catholics. Um, Agnostics even give thanks, as my agnostic friend did. But none of it's actually received. None of it's actually real because they're not really giving thanks to anything that is real. But for the Christian, giving thanks to God has been a characteristic of God's people from of old. God's people have given thanks to God for thousands of years since creation. Listen to the Psalms. If you need fuel for giving thanks, you can read the Psalms. Listen to Psalm 50, verse 14. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High. Psalm 69, 30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 79, 13. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. Psalm 95, 2. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Psalm 106, 1. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136, 26. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love 
endures forever. You see, all this thanks has a source, and it's God, the one true God, Yahweh, the one who's the source of all these benefits and things that he's praising God for. He's thanking who? God. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'll praise the name of God and thank God. I'll give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the God of heaven. And you think, you might be thinking, this is so basic. This is just a sermon about thanking God. Of course, that's, it's not as basic as you think. It's foundational to doing it rightly. Understanding who God is. You may have noticed a common thread that I've been sowing through all these sermons about prayer. Have you noticed that the common thread is I've been telling you again and again in different ways to fuel that type of prayer with what you find in Scripture? Have you been noticing that? Me telling you, Read the scriptures about that topic, and that will help you pray that way better. Have you noticed that? That's the fuel for all of this. It's the foundation for all of this. Praying rightly is seeing, what does the Bible say about this? Let this fuel these types of prayers in me. Prayers of confession, prayers of adoration, prayers of supplication, making requests, and prayers of thanksgiving, doing it the way the Bible Says Because I want to tell you, listen, I want to tell you, there's always a natural tendency in our flesh to drift away from truth and drift more towards the flesh, the world, the devil. Always. The spirit wars against the flesh, we're told. And what does the world tell you? To depend on you and focus on this and that and these forms of entertainment, everything physical, not the spiritual. Even in those articles of Thanksgiving, it's all about the uh, mental benefits and the physical benefits. Nothing about my soul. I keep taking you back to the Word of God for your good and for my good. This is your source of life and truth, everything. Next, I want to focus on this. Jesus modeled thanksgiving. Jesus modeled thanksgiving. Luke 10, 21. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Father, for such was your gracious will. He thanked his father, even for hiding truth from some and revealing it to others, keeping it from the proud, but giving it to the humble. He said, I thank you for that, Father. You did that. I recognize it. Thank you. This was your good will. John 6, 11. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated So also the fish, as many as they wanted. This was a man who could make bread appear. Even the devil knew that about Jesus. He said, oh, you're hungry? 
command the stones to become what? Bread. This was a man who could make bread appear. He could make it out of nothing. Well, out of a stone or out of other bread. He could make it out of nothing, though, because he spoke the universe out of nothing. The words are ex nihilo, which means literally out of nothing. But he thanks God for the bread. John eleven forty one. This is at the raising of Lazarus. So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Jesus had been in perfect communion with the Father from before the world began, from eternity past, and he still thanks his Father for hearing him. I was telling my children this morning on the way here how thankful I am for their gratitude. They're just grateful children. I love that about my children and my wife as well. They are grateful. They know, they know it's my duty to feed them. But guess what I hear every time I come home with pizzas? Thank you, Daddy, for the pizza. Guess what I hear every time I cook maybe some food at night, something like that, just kind of whip up something real quick? Thank you, Daddy, for the chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese. I'm an expert at those. I can cook. I can cook toast really well, too. When I cut the grass, it's my duty to cut the grass. That's what I do. I'm the man in the family, and women, you're free to cut grass, too. I'm not saying you can't do that. I'm just saying, in our house, Dad cuts the grass. And then, you know what I hear when I come inside from cutting the grass? You know what Amy says to me? Thanks for cutting the grass. And it just makes me happy. It's understood that I'm going to do these things. But they thank me for it. Just like Jesus, perfect communion with the Father forever. And he still says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. He's grateful for it. Even though he's always had it. He's thankful. You know why? Because he understands God. He knows who God is. And he's thankful to him. The more you know God, the more thankful you will be to him. I promise you. That's why I'm telling you, fuel your prayers with truth and you will be a thankful individual. I can say this also because did you know ingratitude, ingratitude is an attribute of the wicked. Listen to Romans 1, 18 through 23. Romans 1, 18 through 23. This is when Paul is talking about how we're all under sin. But he says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, but God has, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Now listen to this. For although they knew God, and of course here in the context he means knows about God. It doesn't mean know God salvifically. That's according to context. That's not what he means by that. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. 
Did you see that? Ingratitude is an attribute of the wicked. But it's not just ingratitude. Let's keep going. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Look, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and beasts and animals and creeping things. So he's not just saying, they're a bunch of no-good atheists. They're not even acknowledging God or giving thanks. It says giving thanks to him. They, it says here in verse 23, were idol worshipers. Images mortal, of mortal men, beasts, animals, and creeping things. He's not saying they're a bunch of no good atheists. He says they're not giving thanks to God. They're bowing down to these, these idols. They're giving thanks to something, but it's not who? It's not God. So it's not just ingratitude, is it? It's actually gratitude to the wrong one. Because I've already shown you, I've already told you about article after article and video after video, which is all about being thankful. But it's not giving thanks to God, is it? And if it's not giving thanks to God, then it's giving thanks either, well, it's giving thanks to nothing. Because I was going to say to the wrong thing, but really if it's an idol, it's no thing from which we get the word nothing. So people all, all around the world, but let me end with this, okay? What's the point? So the point I want you to go away with is this. Giving thanks is not an end in and of itself. Okay, yes, there's health benefits, apparently, in being thankful, mental benefits, and being thankful. But who are those people actually thinking? Who are they actually thinking? If they're thinking Allah, if they're thinking an idol, if they're thinking Mary, or if they're thinking nothing, like my friend at UPS, None of those sources are actually the source of the one whom is, who is really, truly behind any good thing that comes to you. Because unless your soul is actually saved from damnation, then you don't know God. What good is it if you have the whole world and are thankful of all those things, but you lose your soul? So if your soul's not saved, that's why I started out with saying if your soul's not saved, then you don't have the foundation for thankfulness. You don't even have it because of what Jesus says. Biblical thanksgiving is grounded in salvation. It all springs forth from being saved by Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of the true, real, lasting thanksgiving. So start there in your prayer life. And you'll find all other thanksgiving naturally flows out of your life. It flows towards the proper person that you're to give thanks to in the first place. And that's God. Lord, I thank you for these truths. 
profound truths, truths that have been right in front of our faces all along. So, Father, please help us, because as we remember, we just naturally leak truth. And so continue to fill us up with this, Lord, and I know it will make us thankful. It'll make us naturally thank you in prayer more often. And we will get the benefits, Lord, of being thankful. And well, yes, it will be helpful for us mentally and physically, but because we began, you began with the benefit of our souls. We thank you for Jesus Christ who died and rose again for sinners that we may be saved. And it's in his name that I pray. Amen. <laughs>